So, uh, Palm Sunday. I'm going to read, uh, I think I have it up there. Zechariah 9 9 should be up there. Oh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Someone will give one to you. If you don't own a Bible, it's yours to keep. Um, we have Bibles on hand. The Word of God is super important to have. And so uh, we read out a New King James Version. So Zechariah 9, 9 um, says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And so <clears throat> what we're going to read today in Luke chapter 19, verse 28 through 44, Jesus fulfills this prophecy. Zechariah, 500 years prior to the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, wrote Zechariah 9.9. It's amazing how God's Word is always fulfilled. It never turns back void. It is truth, and it is always what happens. It, it doesn't, it's not something that we read and we, uh, you know, uh, try and make it into something. Um, what God's Word says is, is what will happen. And He teaches us about our life. He teaches us about the world and the world we live in. And He teaches us about the future of what's going to be happening with this world. And so <clears throat> we can always trust Scripture. And so getting into the text here today, and today's going to be kind of a topical message. It's not going to be verse by verse like we were going through Romans. After Easter, we'll get back into Romans. I know that we're in the middle of Romans chapter 2, so... But um, in, the, in the text here for Luke chapter 19, uh, Jesus had been at Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And uh, if you want to go back and read all of Luke 19, it's a really neat account. Um, it shows that Jesus is not against us. He loves us. Um, he's against our sin, but he loves us. Um, and so Jesus was at Zacchaeus' house, um, and he had just finished the parable of the 10 minas after that. Uh, and so we pick up in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, and Luke writing says this, when he had said this, the, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem. So when it says he had said this, it's speaking of the parable of the 10 minas. And so I just kind of threw that in for context so that we kind of are drawn into what's happening with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> verse 29, and it came to pass when he being Jesus drew near to Bethphage, and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples. And this was on the other side. Mount Olivet uh, was a mountain east of Jerusalem. <clears throat> so they're coming towards Jerusalem. And so Bethany and the town of Bethphage was on the opposite side. And so they're, they're, gonna, they're about to go over Mount Olivet. And Jesus tells his disciples, uh, two of them, and he says, hey, verse 30, uh, he says this, go into the village opposite you where uh, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. <clears throat> but as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. So we see here that these two disciples went to the owners of this colt and, and, and a colt being, a, it was a young donkey and they just loosened it. You know, and I love how 
When Jesus calls us to do something, he prepares the way, just like the song. When he calls us to take action, take our faith in Jesus, or even before coming to know Jesus, maybe you don't know him today, and the Holy Spirit may start knocking on your heart and saying, hey, you know, I want to be with you. You need to be with me forever. Jesus paves the way for us to take steps. Just like when the disciples were told by Jesus, hey, hey, go grab this donkey over here. Could you imagine that in the, in the disciples' minds, just because they were obedient doesn't mean they weren't human, okay? We all can have questions about what God's asking us to do. Now, if those questions turn into not being obedient to what God's asking us to do, then I would say that it's sinful because then we're allowing our own decisions to circumvent what God has asked us to do, Okay. But here in the context of this scripture, let's not lose sight that these were two human beings that, that, that God himself, being Jesus, 100% man, 100% uh, 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 God, they knew who he was, and also take into account that this is the week of um, Passover, so this is uh, six days or so, about six days prior to his crucifixion. That's why it's a week before uh, Easter, and so... <clears throat> Jesus asked these guys, hey, go get this donkey. And it's amazing that the person who, uh, you know, owned the donkey told them, let them take the donkey. And so they were obedient to tell the owner of the donkey, hey, the, the master asked us, you know, to do this. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's said that it's possible, or well, it says Lord has need of it um, in verse 34. It is possible, though, that the owners of the donkey um, knew Jesus. Um, it's, it's paused. Most likely they did know him. Jesus was well known at this time. Um, and so uh, people knew who he was and it's possible that they had been, you know, um, followers of Jesus as well. And so there was no dispute, but I'd want us to understand that when God asks us to take a step out and put action to our faith, he prepares the way for that. We can take comfort in his word. We can take comfort in who he is. The rest of the world, though, and ourselves and our flesh and our own thinking, that gets all mixed up sometimes. But God is direct and, 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 and loves us. And he's not, he will never lead us into a place of death, okay? God will never lead us into a place, like he's not going to lead us into a field of nothingness where no one's going to be around us. It's us that leads us to those places. God always takes care of us. And he knows how to help us understand to trust him too. He's a loving father. So we see picking up in verse 35, then they, being the two disciples, brought him, the donkey, to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. Kind of a weird little thing. We wouldn't do that today, right? Could you see people, you know, taking like your friends, like, hey, here's a, a baby donkey, you know, and throw their clothes on it and pick you up and put you on it. It's kind of a weird thing. And they set Jesus on him. In verse 36 of Luke chapter 19, we read, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. So now we know that there is a, that the people that are with them, that there is more than just two disciples. There's more than just the 12 disciples with him as well. And we can think of the donkey as a lowly animal, right? But the Jew, but to the Jew, it was a beast fit for a king. It was known that a king would ride on a donkey. We see this in the Old Testament. The laying of the garments on the animal 
and on the road and the waving and spreading of branches were all part of a traditional Jewish reception for royalty. Remember what I read in Zechariah chapter 9, 9, 500 years prior to this day that Jesus, that we're reading about. Jesus, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Zechariah wrote that 500 years prior to Jesus. It's amazing. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all one God, triune, different personalities, but know all things all at once before we even speak them. Time and eternity are in their hands. They are not linear. They are outside of our own thinking, outside of our own time. And God is almighty and his word is true. And it's amazing that Jesus fulfills everything that was ever spoken of him. We can trust him. You guys can trust Jesus, okay? This community that we live in needs to know that they can trust Jesus. The students at Lynnhurst High need to know they can trust Jesus. The students at Yuba Garden need to know they can trust Jesus. I need to know that I can trust him. I don't stand up here today and make any false statement that I have everything together because I don't. My life is a mess at times. I deal with sin in my life just like you guys do. And Jesus bids me to come to him as I am and, and beg him to help in a time of need. And we're all needing him, always. We need to trust him with our lives. And so we see here, he's on this donkey and he's proceeding. And, and I want you to picture, you know, a, a royal reception for Jesus because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every tongue will confess his name. Everything spiritual demon or angel bow down at the name of Jesus. He is over all things. So the laying of the garments on the animal on the road and waving, spreading of the branches, and this is a Jewish tradition for the receiving of royalty. And what magnificent scene there was here, Jesus riding on this colt of a donkey, the animal calm, knowing that the man that was riding him was his creator, because we see in John chapter one, verse one, that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and nothing was created that was, there, there was nothing that was created that wasn't created by Jesus, the word. Go to John one, one and read chapter one, chapter one, verse one through six, and it speaks of Jesus and the creation. Jesus is the creator of the world creator of you, creator of mankind, and the, the, the animals know who God is. I, I don't believe they have a relationship with him like we do. They don't have a supernatural spirit that's given within them to live for eternity because they're to serve us while we're here. We are the, we are the ones who, who cultivate the earth and, and lead the earth and lead the animals and all of those things. They don't have the same relationship that we do with God or even the destiny that we are to have with God. We're all in a different process, but man, this donkey had to know that God himself, the one who created him, was sitting on him. That donkey must have been like, look at me, donkey friends. I'm serious. It's amazing. 
And Jesus, knowing that he's fulfilling prophecy that he already knew was written about him. So this little donkey with this honor, having the King of kings and the Lord of lords riding on him, the Savior of the world, God the Father's only Son that was sent to earth, that he chose me, the little donkey, for him to be with me and and ride on me to where he's going to go. And Jesus knew as he went into Jerusalem that he would be denied by his people and that he was really coming to be crucified because he's God, he knows all things. Verse 37 and 38, it's amazing. It says, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives. So this procession started way before Jerusalem. So now he's descending down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice. And this isn't the 12. This is everybody that has chosen to follow Jesus through all of the three and a half years or so of Jesus's ministry. Blind Bartimaeus, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, all of these people who Jesus touched, they're following him. They're laying down their garments. Just picture the situation in this scene. And all of them began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works that he, that they had seen. See, God is a God of showing us that he is God. If you disbelieve that God is real, then you need to ask God, reveal yourself to me. He wants to reveal who he is to you. He's not, uh, he's not how our parents were, or how our relationships were. He is God Almighty, full of love, grace, and mercy. Like we read last week that his grace and his long-suffering and his mercy, it's for us to come to repentance. He is long-suffering with us as sinners. We're all so foolish. And he loves us so much. He can be trusted. So you see all these people praising him for his mighty works that they had seen. You notice that it's not praising him for what, you know, the bishop said about him or what this pastor said about him or what this disciple said. It's what the people literally saw. Each one of you has a testimony of how God has touched your life. Each one of you have a calling on your life to share that truth with those around you. God wants to change your lives. He changed mine. It can change yours. Then they're saying this, they're, they're crying this out loud. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So this group, like I mentioned, was more than the 12 and the crowd sang from Psalm chapter, from Psalm chapter 118. All of the crowds of the people, the disciples, all throwing their cloaks and palm branches on the ground, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's important for you to understand that this was the first time ever that Jesus allowed the public to worship him. He had never allowed the public to worship him. 
He would heal people and tell people, hey, don't tell anybody. Because he knew that he had more work to do. And if the crowd tried to always, he, he, was, he was always having to, to, to deal with a thronging crowd around him. If you go to an account, there was a house that was probably smaller than this. And it was packed with hundreds of people. And they were surrounding the outside. And there was a paralytic. And there were four friends. And what great four friends those were. And they saw the crowd. And they didn't go away and say, you know what? There's just too many people there. I'm not going to bring my friend to Jesus. No, they got on the roof and tore the tiles off the roof and dropped them down in. Jesus was always worried, not worried, but thinking, okay, it's not time for me to be revealed as the king yet. I have more work to do because he knew when this day came, the cross was the next thing. So I love that account of the, of the paralytic. It just is like, it's a crazy account, man. How many of you have brought people to church, right? And everything's in the way. When you go to share Christ with people, everything gets in the way. Well, tear the roof off, man. We need to get the paralytics to Jesus. I was a paralytic once. Sometimes I still go back to that way. God's so faithful to bring healing and concern and care to us. But this is the first time that Jesus was ever allowed to, for, to, 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 to that he ever allowed public worship of himself. So here is the king of kings entering the holy city as a royal king, would, it, would, would enter the city in his inauguration. That's, that's what this was. You know, when the president comes, a big inauguration and all the people come out and the big to-do about it. This is exactly what was happening in the public's eye about Jesus. The king was coming in to his place. When Jesus comes back, he will sit on the throne of David. So here's the king of king entering the holy city as a royal king would in his inauguration. And the people followed Jesus shouting and singing Psalm 118. It's interesting how we see in the beginning, if you go to Luke chapter 2 verse 14, uh, it, Luke writes and says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now the chant is peace in heaven and peace in heaven because the king Listen, because the king was rejected, there could be no peace on earth. Instead, there was peace in heaven because the king was rejected. There could be no peace on earth. Instead, there would be um, constant bitterness and conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of evil. There would be no peace on earth, but thanks to Christ's work on the cross, there is peace with God in heaven. We see in Romans chapter five, verse one, and I'm referencing to what they stated, that they stated that there's peace in heaven, not peace on earth when they were speaking and singing about the Psalms. But Romans chapter five says, verse one says this, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we have peace is through Jesus. And Colossians chapter one, verse 19 through 20 says this, for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell. In other words, the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus. In verse 20 of Colossians one says this, and by him to reconcile all things to him, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having been made, having made peace through the blood 
of his cross. So Jesus reconciles all mankind through his crucifixion. So we pick back up in verse 39 of Luke chapter 19. And this is a pivotal point in this story here. We see here, and some of the Pharisees, if you guys don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee is a religious leader. Pharisees were religious leaders at the time. And all they cared about was their own acceptance in public. They only cared about how they looked and how they were perfect. And they hated Jesus. And they were the people who wanted to crucify him. They were always looking for ways to get Jesus, to break the law, to to condemn him, not get him to break the law. They were looking for reasons to say that he had broken the law of the Old Testament. They were always looking for that. And so here you all have, in the middle of this procession, you have the naysayers of Jesus. How many of those are in our life? The naysayers of Jesus, right? We're, we're walking our walk with the Lord. We're being obedient to what God called us to do. And then you got the Pharisees over here that act like they're religious, but they're really speaking against what God's doing. And so you see here, some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. It's interesting, those that boasted that they served God were the enemy of Jesus Christ. They hated Jesus and could not stand him. This was too much for the Pharisees. They came to crucify Jesus, not praise him. David Guzik writes this, nothing tells Satan and his followers that they have lost like the praises of God ringing in their ears. Satan loses because when God's people are really worshiping, their hearts and minds are on Jesus and not on sin, not on self or Satan's distractions. That's why we sing worship songs to prepare us, to prepare us, to to shut out everything else that we deal with during the day and the week. Man, I encourage you, sing songs to Jesus. Let worship be part of your life. But these Pharisees, they hated him. They're telling him, why don't you shut those people up? We don't want to hear that. How many people are hardened towards the truth of Jesus? Even God's own people were in this situation here. We'll read about that in a second. And I see his own people. I mean, the Jews. Jesus was Jewish. Those were his people. The Jews were God's people. All throughout the Old Testament, the Jews are his people. We went through the book of Daniel and God's wrath is going to be poured out upon God's people. They're going to have a season of coming back to him. The, the, the uh, great tribulation, the, 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 the seven years, and then the split in two, that's all about God's people, not the church, because Jesus is, wants to reconcile his people back to him because this day of visitation, they denied him. We'll read about that in a second, him, them denying him. And I love this. This always amazes me. Chapter 19 of Luke, verse 40. But he answered and said to them, hold on one second.
But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, in other words, if these people will not praise me, the stones would immediately cry out. This stone literally, Jesus is speaking literally, not figuratively. See, he's God. What God say? Oh, you know, what, I, don't, I don't think God makes figurative statements when he's speaking about things like this. And I look at rocks and I think, are you kidding me? Like this thing's going to grow a mouth and start praising songs of, of adoration to you? See, if man was silenced at that time, then all of creation would have cried out and proclaimed the truth of who Jesus is. That he is the king of kings. You know what that statement means? No one's higher than him. We try to be higher than God. And we can keep trying to be higher than God all the time. But man, we pay consequences. I don't know about you, but I look back at consequences when I thought I was higher than God and they were, they sucked. But Jesus is a King of kings and Lord of lords, and if these people didn't worship him, that all of creation would have burst into worshiping him. That's power. That's the God we serve. Verse 41 and 42, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, in other words, if you had known even you, my people, even you, especially this day, no other day, this day when I came to you, the things that make for you peace. Who makes peace? Jesus. Jesus will place peace in your soul. Peace like a river. There's a song that sings an old hymn, peace like a river. God will place peace into your life. But now they are hidden from your eyes, Jesus says. It's a sad thing if one day you stand before God and he says, you know what, I gave you all the chances to recognize who I am, but now I'm no longer available to you. And when we die, if Jesus is not in our heart and our name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, that will be us. So I tell you today, make sure that you are gonna be in heaven, that you that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. God, on the day of judgment, the white throne of judgment, Jesus is gonna open a book and, and it's the Lamb's book of life. And if your name's not in it, you're not gonna be in heaven. And that's why Jesus spoke so severely to the Jewish people. If, we're, if we really look at verse 42, he says, if you had known, in other words, if you had paid attention, even you, my people, especially in this day, the day that I came to you, the things that make peace for you. In other words, I make peace for you. And it says here, but now those things are hidden from you. Right now, those things are hidden from the Jewish people. They really are. They think that they serve God the way they're supposed to, but they deny that Jesus came. That's why the temple is gonna be built probably in the next 10 years, and they're gonna start worshiping and sacrificing animals in Jerusalem. Because the majority of Jews don't believe that Jesus the Messiah came. And so that 
when Jesus spoke this because of the way, and remember, this wasn't just one day that Jesus met them and that was it. This was over everything that had gone on. And it's really amazing to me that as human beings, we can harden our heart towards God over and over and over and over and over. And after a while, God says, fine, you want that? I love you so much. You can have what you want. Pay the consequences. It's a sad thing. And then Jesus continues to prophesy about what's going to happen to them. Verse 43, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surrounding you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your salvation. The desolation of Jerusalem pertaining to what Jesus spoke here took place in AD 70, where Jerusalem was leveled. There was one, not one stone that was unturned. It was set on fire. All the gold in the temple was taken out because of the fire, and there was nothing left. So the prophecy that Jesus spoke, well, I don't, I don't know if I like saying prophecy. I mean, he's God, so he's speaking his truth and God's truth always comes true. So Jesus is telling them though, hey, this is gonna happen to you. And in 70 AD, it, it did. So note that verse 43 and 44 is not about, you know, uh, the future. It's already past. We know where it says, will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your salvation. So Jesus proclaims this to them. It's really a sad thing. They rejected him. <clears throat> the day of salvation is at hand today. Do not miss out on the opportunity for your salvation today. God does not reject people, but people reject God's plan. They reject God's plan of salvation, which comes through believing in his one and only son, which is Jesus Christ. John chapter one, verse nine through 11 says this, that that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, like I had mentioned before, and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus is the true light. He was here. He made the world but it rejects him. His own did not receive him. And some of us know John 3, 16 so well, but do we stop there, right? Some of us can memorize it. We memorize it in like Bible school as kids. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the issue, believing in Jesus. So there's a real danger in this life and that danger is critical to understand, to understand that without Christ in our lives, we stand condemned. Without Jesus in our life, we stand condemned before God. 
But the condemnation is not because God cannot love us or because he doesn't want to love us, but that we were never, or that we were never told that how to be saved because we know that God's word tells us that he wills no one to perish, but all to come to repentance through him, that he has put his Holy Spirit in believers that go out and share the truth of Jesus. You come to church and hear somebody like me speaking at you for 45 minutes. The condemnation is an action of not believing in Jesus Christ. So it's not that God hasn't revealed himself to us. I don't know about you guys, but when I was in the middle of my darkest times, like God sent people to me. And it was up to me to listen or not. You know? And so we need to ask the Lord, hey, give me a soft heart. Help me to listen. Because I was super rebellious. And I have a hard head and I hit it against the pole a lot. And I hit rock bottom more than once in my life. It took me a long time. God was faithful. Now, did I reap consequences? Oh, man, yeah. I did, and it was horrible. I look back, and I don't go, oh, hey, I'm proud that I was this and got all that and because of my sinful you know, actions. But, man, without Jesus, we stand condemned before God. Because of our, that's how we are as sinners. All of us, all of us are born into sin, and 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 our good works don't make us Christians. Or you know, going to church doesn't save you uh, from hell. You know, all these things, man. We stand condemned already because of Adam and Eve. And I say this all the time. And God's called me to preach the gospel. I can be in any message of the Bible, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus is needed in our life to be saved, and that we are all sinners and all stand against God until Jesus is in our life. And if you don't know Jesus, then you need to make him the Lord and your Savior today. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21 says this, Therefore, if anyone, I love it, doesn't matter who you are, but if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I praise the Lord that who I used to be is gone. Like literally, it's It's dead. I go back and try and throw the corpse on me and carry dead body around when I want to go sin. But the literal thing that God did is he killed that old nature and he has made me new and he wants to do the same thing for you. And maybe you're here today and you don't know him or maybe you do know him and you're carrying that dead body around with you. And I don't mean to be like graphic. I know we've been dealing with some things like that in the community and personally, but the reality is, is that when, when we are, when Christ saves us, that old person literally is gone. And we pick it back up and we pick it back up and Jesus says, leave it where it is. I have taken care of it at the cross. Your word says that you are a new creation. And that's where I need to learn that I am new because I don't know what that's like. I know what my old self is. I know what that is. But God places this newness in us and builds this reality that he loves us and that he empowers us. And the world outside of these four walls needs to see that. Just like the people in the procession with Jesus were praising God for the things that they had experienced through Jesus. And I don't mean experience, oh, slay me in the spirit and all this stuff. No, I mean literally through the word of God, God transforming you on the inside and adding solid foundation and peace that comes from God and wholeness. We are not whole without Jesus. Gene and I were talking about this the other day about the way the culture is nowadays and all the different things we experienced and how you can have 
relationships with the with sexual immorality in your life, regardless of who you're doing it with. You can use drugs and alcohol and jobs and money and all these things. And yeah, for a season they're pleasurable, but they will always leave us empty and dead feeling inside. Always. And if we're smart, we'll listen to that feeling and go, okay, something needs to change. And we need to turn to God and say, God, please help me. And then he says, hey man, finally you're here. I can do something with you now. I've waited for you. I've been waiting for you so patiently. The writer of Corinthians continues, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Now all things are of God who was reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself because he knew that when Adam and Eve sinned, the world was not reconciled with God and he had to have it reconciled. And so he sent his son and it says, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, God is not put us in hell yet for our sin. He is giving us opportunity to come to know Jesus and be set free. And then at verse, the latter part of verse nine, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. There's a transformation. Now we're given an, uh, the, the, the authority to be an ambassador for Christ in the community as though God were pleading through us God uses his Christians to do this, to plead with people. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And I implore you today, if you are not reconciled to God, you need to be. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin being Jesus. Listen, you guys. Jesus became your sin. It's what it says here, for he... who. He, he made him who knew no sin, which is Jesus, to be sin for us. He took that place that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What Jesus has done for us is radical and amazing. And when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, who we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 as believers, and we're like, yes, Lord, I'm a new creation. That is exactly what Jesus was going to his people to give them. And he's God, right? Jesus is God. Do you think he knew how they were going to act? Yeah. I would have been like, I ain't, I ain't getting on that donkey. These people hate me. But God, even though while we hate him, still is true to his love towards us. Still comes to us as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Still gives us the ability to be reconciled with him. Don't miss out on what God has for you. If you need to pray after service today, if you need to talk, if you, you know, don't know the Lord and you would like to, 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 you know, come to know Jesus today, man, today's the day of salvation. Don't miss out. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for each and every person here. Thank you for those that couldn't make it and those that are online. God, I just ask that you would take care of them that you'd pour your spirit out upon them. And Lord, I thank you that you're in control. You're the one who, who draws people unto you. You're the one who brings conviction of sin, Lord. You're the one who convicts us, Lord, that, and, and, and draws us to you, to need to come to you, Lord. God, we're all needing you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for this week that we get to focus a whole week on the, what you've done for us. 
I thank you, Lord, that even though your people denied you, that you allowed your gospel to come to those that weren't Jewish. You grafted us people in that weren't Jewish, Lord. And I personally thank you for that. Thank you for loving us right where we're at and loving us so much that you draw us to a place of being reconciled to you, that the old is gone and that the new has come. So I pray that that would ring true for each person here. Just praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys need prayer for anything, please come up after service. We'll close in a song.